0: So it's been a while since I've been able to sit down uh, with you guys and actually have a conversation about Dungeons & Dragons. It's been pretty great. It's been like a year and a half, right? Uh, In this time, we have had lots of books come out and lots of new material and not a lot of opportunity to discuss it, go over it, or even use it in game settings. So I want to know, what's your favorite new thing that has come out since... Since COVID started? Yeah, since like the end of 2019. For me... I know this was a little bit beforehand, but it's got to be Theros. I mean, you guys know I love Magic the Gathering. I want to sink my teeth into this and really get going on it. Honestly, I really like,
1: and I, I wasn't expecting to like it, but I really like the stuff brought to the table by uh, Ravenloft. The different branches of horror, the guides to playing horror. You know, if you listen to the podcast, I'm a massive fan of the horror genre. And to have more and more of that kind of possibility, I'm, I'm happy with it.
2: It's a toss-up. I mean, we were so desperate for another of everything book, and so Tasha's was so good. But Icewind Dale might be one of, in my opinion, one of the better adventure modules out there. Yeah, I'd agree. I think that it is consistently on point thematically and mechanically, and it is different, but it's still Forgotten Realms lore, which we didn't have before. I don't really have anything negative to say about it. Um, As a matter of fact, the only thing that we disliked was Candlekeep. And even that, I think, has some redeeming qualities. Nah, I disagree. You're allowed to. Yeah.
1: It's a mimic. The round table
0: Dungeons & Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get.
1: Welcome to another episode in our conversation on Dungeons & Dragons lore. I'm Dan and with me today are Adam and Dave. And this episode is called
2: Icewind Dale. I see what you did there. Icy. I see. I see what you did there. I see, Dave. It's, it's it's fuck. Never mind. <laughs> I liked it, Adam. Thank you. Yeah. Jesus.
1: So we've previously covered all sorts of locations in D anD D Five E, including Waterdeep and Chult, Barovia and the Shadowfell, the Feywild and the Astral Sea, the Underdark, the Lower Plains, and even Eberron, Ravnica, and Theros. You can find all these episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps. Or you could jump over to the YouTube and dig into the entire playlist on D anD D lore. That we've built there for you guys.
2: You can jump over to the YouTubes.
1: <laughs> Anyways, this episode, however, is going to return us back to the long-forgotten realms, which I am excited about, and is gonna see us head to the frigid far north blizzards of Icewind Dale. This is just a heads up that this episode will contain spoilers for the adventure of the Icewind Dale, rhyme of frost frostmaiden. So listen at yours or your party's own discretion. But, before we get started, hey Dave. Hello. Uh, you mentioned in the cold open that we haven't seen you in a while, and that's because uh, you've been off doing your own thing in Eberron for a while, and now that we have you back at the Guildhouse, I want to know how I was traveling back from Eberron. Did you have any other wacky adventures that we weren't privy to in
0: the previous episodes? Well, you see... I don't want to influence too many things, so i got to keep some of my secrets to myself, okay? Especially the ones concerning the Draconic Prophecy. I feel like there's still a little more work that I can do from this side of things. He sounds like a fucking DM. Kind of. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we'll we'll, we'll we'll get there. Yes, there were some wars that were forged. Uh, there were some... Lings that were changed. And some palis <laughs> that worked hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: well done. Very nice, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, again, it's good to have you back, man. Um, So we are going to talk about Icewind Dale now, so hopefully that'll be a nice little change of pace from gallivanting through jungles and shit, which is what you've been doing for the past little while. A little bit. Yeah. But before we get into it, let me just say I'm thrilled to be covering one of the realms of Toriel right now. I've said multiple times on the podcast that I wish we got more Forgotten Realms world info and Wizards of the Coast finally came through with the adventure Rhyme of the Frostmaid. Now, they threw up walls around the area just so that there was little interaction with the rest of the surrounding world, which I take umbrage with, but there is at least some forward momentum with Icewind Dale. Uh, that, at the very least, scratches
2: the itch. You know, but they've done that on pretty much everything. Not Dragon Heist or Minds of Phanthal or so much, but Curse of Strahd, which is the most popular, yep. Tomb of Annihilation, Dungeon of the Mad Mage... They've all got the here you are and you're not going anywhere. For
1: this episode, I had to do a really deep dive into specifically the Icewind Dale book. One of my big complaints that we always have is there's never any mention of Thay or the Chandelon or any of those other areas. The Wizards of Thay play a role in this.
2: That's good. We haven't seen them since the Yawning Portal.
1: Exactly. So I'm, I'm excited. Anyways, to understand Icewind Dale, let's start off with just basic geography. What and where is Icewind Dale? So if you are looking at a map of the Sword Coast, Icewind Dale is up, 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 past Neverwinter, past Luskin, past the Spine of the World, and it is that frozen wasteland above the Spine of the World. But it's not just your average frozen north tundra. It looks down at that soft hospitable land with superiority. No, the Icewind Dale is the frozen north on meth. Nestled above the spine of the world, a massive continent spanning mountain range, which holds home to enough content for its own lore episode. If you want to know more, let us know. Icewind Dale is a land of constant, cue surprise, ice and wind. Fuck. Jesus. It's like they thought this shit through. Almost. Are there there a bunch of Dales too? I suspect there's a few dudes named Dale in there as well. Nice. (laughs) So anyways, uh, the Dale is wracked by near constant winter and that's in the best of times. It is a flat frigid land where survival is key. There's only one major outpost of civilization in the area, and I don't want to call it a country because there's no major political oversight in the region really. Geographically, there are three lakes, one major forest, one mountain, a bordering sea of floating ice, and one massive glacier. The three lakes are Lake Denishir, Mare Dualden, and Redwaters. These lakes are frigidly cold even in the summer months, often killing those who enter them merely for a swim. All three lakes are home to one of the major exports of the frostbitten lands, which is the knucklehead trout, which are a large fish that is about the size of a large dog, which is about 50 to
2: 70 pounds. And is also the name of Dave's penis.
1: The knucklehead trout? <laughs> yeah, I'm into it. So Dave, uh, knucklehead trout, much like your penis, have a skull made of ivory, which is often harvested, cut up into fanciful design in Scrimshaw, and sold for a profit. Other notable features of the lakes are the weather-predicting properties of Lake Denishir, which waters will change color depending on the approaching weather. Also, instead of, I can feel it, my knees, I can see it, my lake. Oh, uh, yeah, pretty much. And the lakes are fed from two rivers, the Red Run and the Shingarn River, which flows from the trackless sea. The main forest is the Lonely Lonelywood, uh, surrounding both the northern section of Mayor Dwellden and the towns of Termalane and, unsurprisingly, Lonelywood. This is one of the only locations, short of the woods by Goodmead, that people of the Icewind Dale will find lumber for building, because the entire tundra is mostly barren. The lone mountain in the region is Kelvin's Cairn, named after the frost giant
2: Kelvin Duroll. That's fucking lazy. And here's a frost giant, and his name is kelvin it <laughs> just doesn't that just doesn't sit right no with it doesn't me. sit right with me either the, the, the grand lich named bradley like <laughs> i
1: mean that one might be a no lich oh, oh okay okay kelvin's cairn is named after this frost giant who is said to have had power to rival gods and when he challenged the gods he uh fought and was killed by tempest who buried him under the mountain cool so uh kelvin's cairn is home to many dwarves Verbig, and worse in the deepest recesses of its many many mine tun- mining tunnels what the fuck are Verbig? Verbig are uh not small they're very big. no they're giant kin um yeah. they are like civilized hill giants almost are they're,
2: they as big as hill giants uh yeah yeah they're large size they're large size H-sized creatures size even?
1: they're well no they're large okay um they're um not as strong but a little bit smarter than hill giants
2: no. Well, I mean, what fucking isn't. Yeah, you're not wrong.
1: Um, anyways, next is the Sea of Moving Ice. This is the section of the ocean filled with the uncharted islands and grand glaciers uh, said to hold the s- hidden strongholds of frost giants and ancient Netherese
2: mages alike. I can see the smile on your face and you say Netherese.
1: Oh,
0: uh, there's so much... I can much love
2: them.
1: I do love netheril And in this book, there is... Uh, Spoiler warning, a lot of it. It is a significant part of the story
2: of Icewind Dale. Okay, all right. Fill everybody listening in on who the Netherese are. The
1: Netherese are an ancient, ancient civilization of incredibly powerful mages. Like the standard commoner was a level 20 wizard. They are said to have had uh, 10th, 11th, and 12th level spells. Based off the lore, it is the only mention of that. And for some reason, it has not been fully fleshed out. Some say it was a war with the gods. Some say it was avarice. Some say they just left, but their civilization one day just blinked out of existence. And you could find little traces of them all through the Forgotten Realms. It's kind of like the Atlantis myth of the Forgotten Realms. They are this highly technologically advanced society that just one day disappeared. The Forgotten Part of the Forgotten Realms? A significant part of the Forgotten Part of the Forgotten Realms, yes. They have said to have found little strongholds and places. And like in our world where glaciers and stuff hide vestiges of the past, you're going to find a lot of that in Icewind Dale as well. Speaking of glaciers and stuff, let's go to the main glacier of Icewind Dale, and that is the Reghead Glacier. It is a massive ancient glacier that holds many, many secrets within the unexplored and inhospitable ice flow.
2: All right, Reghead is spelled R-E-G-H-E-D raghead yeah not the other thing
1: yeah so be careful um and it's going to come up a
2: lot because all of the surrounding
1: barriers are the ragheadian barbarians
2: be careful uh, you know what maybe they pronounce it like the gh in tough maybe it's refid
0: i'm on board with that the refid just it sounds better
2: yeah the same way that we say uh shub nigerath for call of cthulhu yeah we can skirt this one yeah I'm with you.
1: As you can tell, outside the relatively small bastion of civilization in Icewind Dale, the name of the game is to survive. The Dale is home to the wandering barbarians, giants, Remorazes. Remorazai? Ramarazes, Many it. Remoraz. White dragons, ancient secrets, evils, gods, and hidden mysteries hidden by the driving snow. It is a land of near constant negative temperatures, going as low as negative 49 in Rime of the Frostmaiden, by the way. Fahrenheit or Celsius? Fahrenheit. You know it doesn't really matter at that temperature. Negative forty-five Celsius.
0: Okay. Yeah. What's that in Kelvin? Uh, I don't know. You'll have he, to ask him. What? He's yeah, yeah, Kearn's right there. Right? Yeah, Karen. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Karen, <laughs> his Karen? His <laughs> Karen? She's asking for the for his, the manager. That's what's going on here. Yeah.
1: Where's Calvin? <laughs> Calvin, Calvin. The kids in the van. We're ready to go, Calvin. This is getting too real to my existence. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, the Icewind Dale is a uh, fuck, I'm just completely derailed. Anyways, if you could brave the cold, however, and have the supplies, power, and more than a little bit luck, you can find riches untold hidden in the snow. But enough about the lands, let's talk about where you'd buy those supplies in the tundra. The community of ten towns surrounds the three major lakes in the base of Kelvin's Cairn. Each, its own town with its own politics, rituals, and history, have come together in a loose confederation purely for survival. Make no mistake, though, just because the towns get along for survival doesn't mean the residents of each town likes the other. Firstly, you need to know the towns themselves. First is the capital of Icewind Dales with heavy quotations and the major seat of what could be called power in the Dale, Bryn Shander. Bryn Shander is the biggest and main trading hub of the Dale and holds a population of roughly 1,200 souls, primarily humans, orcs, and dwarves.
2: And the orcs coexist with the humans and dwarves by necessity because of the harsh... Yes, we'll
1: we'll get into specifically why okay. a little bit later in all this episode, but full-blooded orcs live in the streets of all of these towns. Now, it is also the only town not located on the shores of one of the three lakes. Instead, being located on one of the southern hills overlooking the rest of the region in all directions. It is a circular, walled town with three entries. Should any major army or force threaten the people of ten towns, they would all hold up in the walls of Bryn Shander. Uh, Next largest is Targos, the home of the knucklehead trout trade in Icewind Dale. It is the only other walled city in the Dale, and the wall extending quite far into Mere Dualden, which is one of the lakes. Third is the town of Easthaven, bolstered by a population of 750. Founded by some scoundrels years ago on the paved Eastway, Easthaven is as rough and tumble frontier town as they get. Literally pickpocketing is legal in Easthaven with signs of Watch Thy Purse posted all over town. Next is Tourmaline, with a population of 600. It is the third, uh, sorry, it is the fourth largest city of the Dale. It is also home to the craftsmen of ten towns, taking the wood from Lonelywood and converting it into the boats for the knucklehead trout trade. It has had a persistent feud with the town of Targos, whose fleet of fishing vessels often harry Tourmaline's ships, often ending in outright hostilities between the two settlements.
2: So one of the things that we got out of Ghost of Saltmarsh is a whole bunch of weird backgrounds of things that I never thought that we'd need Mm -hmm. that show up here. Harbor folk as a background, um, fishmongers, fishermen. There's a lot of that shit in there. So if you're looking to kind of flesh out your NPCs, the kind of stuff they would know or do... Ghosts of Saltmarsh is a really good resource for that as well for
1: these. 100%. There's also, for your players, should they be, one of these unique backgrounds in the front of the Icewind Dale book, before you even really get into any sort of the breakdown of the region, is a bunch of plot hooks to bring each of your individual backgrounds into this world. Cool. Which is incredibly helpful as a DM. Fifth on the list is Bremen, which is the westernmost town of Ten Towns. It boasts a population of around 150 and was founded primarily by dwarven prospectors looking for gold in the hills and shores of the Icewind Dale. Um, that gold trade is still heavily active in Bremen, however, due to the everlasting winter brought by Oriel, uh, the god of winter's wrath, the Frost Maiden. The Frost Maiden that has been pushed to the side for a focus on Knucklehead Trout.
2: Well, you got to live to spend your gold, right?
1: Exactly. Next, and number six on the list is the first of the Cares, Care Konig. Nestled on the northern shores of Lake Dynesher, Kerr Koenig has a population matching the dwarven town of Bremen at 150 and is surrounded by mountain, lake, and snow. The main and some say only way into the town is a ferry from East Haven, and should the lake freeze over, and say an unending winter caused by the fury of a winter god, for example, the town would rapidly become isolated, leaving the small town to the picking of thieves and murderers.
2: I'm looking at all the ways that these names are spelled on. Check the show notes, we'll throw them in there. Um, and I'm I'm getting like a Celtic feel out of a lot of it. Very Celtic and Norwegian. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. an interesting blend. It's got kind of like old uh, like old Anglo kind of versus Viking kind of feel. Yeah,
1: um that is more pronounced in other towns like Goodmead where the architecture features like Dragon and wyvern and chimera level of art arch- in their architecture. Yeah, okay, okay. Cool. And to explain the question, a care, reason why there's care Koenig and care Deneval is not because they were founded by a similar guy whose name was care. No. A care is a. Fortress. Type of bear? No, it is okay. a.
0: F-
2: yes, it is. Okay. It's also a type of package. You done? Probably not. Yeah,
1: okay. A care is a fortress, a naturally occurring uh, fortress of stone okay now this is more apparent in the next town on our list which is the second of the cares and seventh on the list care dineval built around that small fortress called the care care dineval holds about 100 souls and like its sister town to the north suffers when the lake freezes over in its cold isolation, thirst for good mead from good mead, and the hushed rumors of devil-worshipping cultists are the main topics of conversation in Dinev's Rest or the Uphill Climb, which are the two towns' taverns. Okay. It, is it Dineval or is it Dinevil? I'm thinking
2: it's spelled like the end of it is medieval.
1: I've always said dineval There is a pronunciation guide that we could check. Let's do that. Okay. I'm just curious. I want to know. Oh, hold on. Sorry. Was that a, was that a knucklehead trout? That was there? a knucklehead trout right on the cover there. Yeah, does, that does look like it. It's got scales and everything. And that big scar What's on the tail. What's it ted. called? Old Old Bitey. Old Bitey. <laughs> no, it's Care Dinavol. Cool. All yeah. right,
2: I was just curious. I like the etymology and the pronunciation. Yeah.
1: Speaking of goodmead, let's talk about it. The hum of the apiaries are the telltale sign that you are near goodmead. With a population of roughly 100
0: What is an apiary? A uh, beehive.
1: Well, right? I
0: thought it was like somewhere you kept apes. No. Oh. No, that would be a zoo. I've been doing it wrong this whole time. (laughs) All
2: these fucking apes and tiny little (laughs) honeycombs.
1: (laughs) Anyways, with a population of roughly 100, Goodmead feeds the locals not with knucklehead trout, but with delicious honey mead. Goodmead was also founded by travelers from Chult and the Vilhon Reach, so their squat, weather-defying buildings are covered with carvings of the dinosaurs and serpents their ancestors considered commonplace. The main fixture in Goodmead is the mead hall, a massive two-story wyvern-decorated Viking-esque meeting hall. It is heated with massive fires fed from the local giant, obscuring evergreen forest to the north and houses the hundreds of hives used to make the delicious nectar that all of Ten Towns craves. That's where I want to go. Um, it. I'm not joking when I say you hear good meat before you see it. The hum goes for miles, kilometers
2: outside of town. Well, things echo across frozen yeah, landscapes, right? exactly.
1: From one town nestled in the woods to another, let's talk about the town of Lonelywood. It is to the
2: north and. That's the name of my penis. Serves as a place to start fresh. Are you okay? Lonely? You sure? Don't want two woods beside each other, Dave. It's just not my jam. I mean, there's a reason yours is called Knucklehead (laughs) Trap.
0: Gross. Okay, bye. (laughs) Welcome back.
1: So, Lonelywood, not Adam's penis, currently has about 100 people that have decided to put their past behind them and focus on the fishing, hunting, woodcutting, and carving.
2: No, they put their behind past it. That's
1: right. <laughs> that brings Lonelywood its economy. Founded by the Chimera Crested Sembian family, the buildings of Lonelywood are adorned with dragons, lions, and goats in homage to the founding family. This, as a side note, is where a certain ruby gazing halfling and a friend of and friend to a certain Dark Elf once ran the local government as speaker and currently has a home by the waters of Mayor Dueldon. That is Regis, for those of you who have read the Crystal Shard, which we'll talk about later.
2: Sure. It's yeah. a Drizd thing I'm It's assuming. a Drix thing, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, you can't do Icewind Dale without talking about Dritz and his crew. We'll have to address it later. Sure. Finally, the last one in our list of ten is Dugan's Hole.
2: That's the name of Dan's <laughs> penis. There <laughs> yeah. you guys go.
1: You're welcome. I yeah. paused for that. It is without a doubt the smallest of the Dales settlements. It is. Yeah. With 50 people calling the scattered assortment of hovels and two docks home.
0: Wow. docks? Docks. Okay. Yeah. Who are you yeah. docking with?
1: <laughs> Named after Chondathan Man, who figured the spot would be a good fishing hole, it features two docks and the only other real notable feature of Dugan's Hole is the 20 Stones of Thrune. A triangular formation of 19 massive granite menhirs with a single larger one in the middle.
2: So it's like Stonehenge.
1: Uh, Yes, but triangular. Yeah. And just as much mystery. No one knows what it is. The only reason why they're called the 20 Stones of Thrun is because of ancient discussions that a god beast named Thrun might have something possibly
2: kind of to do with it, maybe.
1: So there you have it. Those are the 10 towns.
2: H- can i can i just say before sure. you go any further i'm glad there are legitimately 10 of them a lot of the time in fantasy shit you end up with like oh the 11 towns of 10 towns or there's only seven remaining of the 10 towns i'm glad there's 10 yeah the thing that bothers me with it
1: whenever you see the number 10 in D as a player you should be scared
2: yeah because beholder because beholders right
1: okay yeah there are no beholders that are going to live in this frozen north
2: yeah, normally when there are ten different passages to go down from the main central area, like, there's yeah. a beholder in there.
1: Somewhere. Yeah, there's a beholder right. somewhere, right? Like, that—that that is forecast by DMs. It's not going to be a problem here. So, they've been setting this up as, like, a fake
2: left for years.
1: Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Nice. Yeah.
2: Ever since AD&D. <laughs>
1: Anyways, so, of the ten towns, you can see that each one is different and succinct, with its own traditions, locales within, to draw the interest of your party. Each bring interesting lore to their formation and what to do in them But at a surface scan, how can you figure out where to go in your adventures during the Rhyme of the Frostmaiden? Well, Wizards of the Coast has developed and implemented the Snowflake rating system. And no, this isn't a snowflake rating like the term we've seen slung around in political circles as of late. No, this is for all intents and purposes the Yelp reviews of each town. Friendliness, services, and comfort are given up to three snowflakes, with three being good and one being bad and two being a mix of both. This shows your DM and players how different Bremen and Dugan's Hole will handle outsiders, which by the way, not well, referring to the latter choice there. What kind of shopping and supplies one could find in Kerr Deneval compared to Bryn Shander, and just how easy life is in the winter-oppressed vista of Kerr Konig compared to East Haven. This is a great tool and a simple tool for DMs to flavor each of the Ten Towns. But should you want to wander outside of Ten Towns, which admittedly has a lot to offer the aspiring adventurer Uh, you should watch for flash avalanches blizzards and the dangers of extreme cold and frigid waters in fact rhyme of the frost maiden gives us the mechanical effect of these natural threats in the frozen north an avalanche we'll just do this for example is not just wide enough to wipe out your beloved party mule no, this is a 300 foot wide, 30 foot high, 30 foot thick wall of rampaging snow, rock, and whatever else, and whoever else happened to be caught up in, higher on the path. The avalanche moves twice in initiative, both on 10 and 0, and travels at the speed even a tabaxi monk would envy. 300 feet, twice around.
2: Holy shit. You're not running away from that. No,
1: that's 600 feet around for those who failed grade 1 math. I hope you have a swim speed, I guess.
2: <laughs> for Yeah, I'm... Oh, God. Fly speed is what I'm looking for. Yeah, you yeah. need to get 30 feet up quick. Yeah. yeah.
1: Should you be caught up in the path of the avalanche, and um you will be caught up in the path of an avalanche. Yeah. There's not a lot you could do to avoid it. Um, You are, just straight up are, knocked prone and carried along with it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
2: There's no save. Hon- There's no
1: save. Honestly, that just... It doesn't seem like enough. No. The save comes in... Um, To avoid damage, which is comically low, in my opinion. It's 1d10 bludgeoning damage should you get hit by this thing. That is low. If you get hit in the face with a tree trunk flying down a hill at 600 feet every 6 seconds, so 100 feet a second, that's going to hurt more than, you know, some idiot swinging a longsword at you with no strength Well,
2: in theory, you're taking 1d6 when you fall... Every ten feet. Okay. So that's really light. The 1D ten is really light. Yeah. But I assume that it's because it's snow and it's a softer well, material. Yeah,
0: I mean in from what I think anyways, uh, when somebody dies in an avalanche, it's not because they got hit by snow. Yeah, they're it's, not bludgeoned
2: to death, they suffocate. They
0: suffocate,
1: yeah. Okay, well let's get into that because oh, the real danger is being buried alive. In the snow, and you have precisely three chances of athletics checks to dig yourself out, or you will gain a level of exhaustion for every five minutes you stay in the avalanche until you just straight up die. Good. Can okay. I do it? By the way, for those who know the exhaustion chart, it's six levels, so you have 30 minutes or you're dead.
2: It's No, it, it's not even that. It's 25, because on the fifth one, you can't move. That's true. You're just done. Yeah. Right? So... Um, I will say this. I like this for suffocation. I'm going to use this as my template for suffocation now for everything. Yes. Cave-ins or um, getting stepped on by a Tarrasque. They should have just used the swallowed hole mechanic. Kind of. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I, w- I would have been okay with that. Um, well, here's here's where it's going to be slightly different is while you are in the avalanche, you are both blinded, makes sense, and restrained. So guess who's rolling athletics checks at disadvantage?
2: Everyone. Everybody. So, your druid is going to wild shape into something with a burrow speed, and that's going to save the party.
1: Well, here's the thing. If you free yourself and need to free a party member, it will take one full minute of your time to get them out. So, do the math. You got a party of five, and everybody gets, on, uh, Gets you know...
2: You get Jennifer Love Hewitt out first. Get out! That was a party of five joke. It's, that's, that's what I did there, Dan. I'm going to move on. That's good. From, from that, yeah,
1: yeah. Now, if you are out in the tundra exploring the space like it's the frigid vault version of Chult, you will need to be aware of freak blizzards causing you to make survival checks or become lost in the wilds. Also, grab your rings of warmth and prepare for some cold temperatures because, as I mentioned earlier in the rhyme of the Frost Maiden, temperatures on the Dale can hit as low as forty-five degrees Celsius. Which, as
0: we record this in the middle of a heat wave, doesn't sound too bad. Hold on, I'm curious. They do temperature in Celsius, but movement in feet? Uh,
1: well, they did temperature in in Fahrenheit, but because it's a fake measurement, I used Celsius. Oh, you, you converted it? Yeah. Thank oh, you, Dan. Yeah, good job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: How many meters was that
1: then? How many meters is 600 feet? Yeah. Uh, A bunch. But the weather isn't the only thing you have to be worried about in the Bronx and North. There is roving bands of barbarians, giants, verbeegs, as we mentioned earlier, yetis, as well as other nasties. Notice Notably... Is Arveatorus, who is an ancient white dragon that calls the top of uh, Refid, is that what we're saying? Sure, yeah, I only know Refid. She calls the top of Refid Glacier her home. She mostly keeps to herself, although that is a bit of a lie. She has with her a constant companion, tied to a saddle around her back, is her old friend, the Archmage and Wizard of Mythical Levels, Melthorond. However, it's too bad he's been super dead for years. Oh, that's pleasant. So she just. She's a crazy white dragon that has a corpse on her back that she talks to. Metal. Yeah. Next is the god real herself, the one whose curse rocks Icewind Dale at the start of the adventure. In the interest of letting your party figure that one out, I won't be breaking down what's going on with the Queen of Winter's Wrath, but make no mistake, this divine being calls the Dale home and has been loosed upon this tundra. But when you're not fighting, you're exploring in the Dale there are some notable locations to seek out. You could get a ride on an awakened sperm whale or find a portion of Avertrus's Horde in the Dark Duchess, an ice-moored Luskin ship floating somewhere in the Sea of Moving Ice. But if you're looking for some grand Skyrim-level shenanigans, the Jarlmoot, which are seven empty frost giant thrones, may draw your interest in the frosty wasteland. You may be sent out by the Speaker of Bryn Shander to Karkalok, which is the Goblin Prison Colony. You cool. You may be sent to do a prisoner transfer yourself to the ultra-supermax prison of Revel's End, or encounter one of the many hints to the previous world-spanning empire of the Netheril. Watsi has given us a very, very sandboxy wilderness to explore in Icewind Dale. So, let's ask some questions. Guys, what are some of the difficulties we're going to have to playing within the Icewind Dale? Let's grab some dice and roll. I got a five. I had
2: an 18. I got 17. Well, first of all, Dan, and I don't want to shock you, but it's cold. You don't say. This is one of the handful times. This and Chult is when I'm going to actually look at my players and say, hey, you want to go out there? Encumbrance is a factor. I'm actually going to track rations. I'm going to track torches. And I'm going to track encumbrance here. Because the exploration pillar here is huge. And to do anything different is going to be a disservice. They're going to be trying to hire you know, woolly mules and whatever other crazy DM shit that you come up with. There are them, right?
1: frosty axe beak mounts that you could get here that handle the cold temperatures very well for So, tons, Basically. Yeah. Uh, uh, there are, again, you said woolly
2: mammoths. There
1: are uh, saber-toothed tigers that you could get as mounts that live in this region.
2: But I want that encumbrance because I also want to know generally the weight. And I'm not going to track weight too closely, but I'll kind of keep it in my head what level the weights are. Um, just because you're going to be walking across ice, right? It's not For so, days. Yeah, it's not so much just like, oh, the rope bridge, is the paladin too heavy? But, oh, we have a woolly mammoth to carry all of our shit. All right, we got to go around to the frozen lake.
1: There are some breakdown encounters for random encounters within Icewind Dale that they give you in the book. And they're all fantastic and flavorful. Like, I'm not kidding. You ride an awakened sperm whale is one of them.
2: Yeah, but we're not just talking about Dave's ex-girlfriend. Yeah.
1: Anyways, for example, the first time you meet this white dragon, whose name I'm avoiding saying right now, it literally bursts out of the ice in front of you, carrying
2: a walrus in its mouth to go feed. We get a ton of just beasts in this yeah. book as well, which is really fun. Be-
1: uh, whales, uh f- For like winter wolves and hares and the a lot of aquatic stuff. A lot of aquatic. A lot of focus on awakened animals and awakened spells exist in here as well. So it's it's super cool. Um, Dave, what was the question again? What are your difficulties playing in this? Uh, None. I'm the DM. I don't have any problems playing. What are you
0: going to be your difficulties (laughs) running
1: it, Dave? You Uh,
0: douchebag. Honestly, I I play a fast and loose game. I'm more combat than exploration. Getting my guys to do these survival checks, making sure they've got the right gear. Uh, I, I mean, a lot of what Adam said, that's going to be my biggest stumbling block. I hand wave so much so that we can just press on with the story. And this uh, you you said it, Adam, like this is very Chultian with the the environment. Mm-hmm. Being the environment guys. is the story, right? Exactly, right? So that's, that's going to be a big change for me as a DM because that's not always the case. Yeah.
1: Um, honestly, I, I'm echoing you guys on this one to avoid the exploration side of this and even the travel between these towns. Yes, they are called 10 towns and they're all kind of together, but there are like days worth of having to walk through open tundra or find different routes between them, um, where random shit can happen to you. So like being very aware of like how fast a dog sled moves, uh, as opposed to going on foot. There aren't horses. I should mention. You got snow camels. No, I mean axe beaks, So kinda. Axe beaks, yeah. yeah. You've got some things to worry about here. And if you just glaze over it, you're doing your party a disservice for the flavor of this area.
0: And for anyone who plays this with Terry, keep the sled dogs away from him. That's very true. That's yeah, yeah that's that's true. Okay, guys. Hold what- on, hold
2: on, hold on. The other the other thing that I'm gonna say here is the difficulty I'm gonna have is having different flavor for each one of the towns so that my party will have a distinct idea of this one is this, this one is this, this one is this, and they're different, and it's not just cookie-cutter level of village over and over and over
0: Yeah, that's fair. I guarantee my players will just end up going, oh, this is one town, and this is two town, and this is three town, and this yeah. is four town.
2: So you've really got to... From a, a social and a role-playing aspect, you've got a really brief flavor to each one separately as well.
1: It does help you out here in um, specifically Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. Because each town is sacrificing something to try to a- appease Oriole to end this you know, harsh winter that she has enacted. And this ranges everything from light, where they just turn off all the lights in the town for days upon days on end to people cool and like east haven for example has a lottery once a month where if you reside in east haven your name is put into a bowl and if your name is pulled you are killed
2: wow they've got to really be procreating at a pretty decent level then
1: um well if you look at any really higher north town there's not a lot to do in the winter months other than each other
2: yeah but they're all small towns right like you'd think that
1: uh it does specifically mention in Dugan's Hole... No? Okay. It does specifically mention in Dugan's Hole that a lot of the populace, because they are so insular, have started to pick up deformities.
2: Huh. So there's a little bit of,
1: uh, of Lannister speci- love going on there. It specifically says the word inbreeding. So, yes. Oh, oh, a yeah. little banjo going on. Dick a ding 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 Well, frozen banjo. But the clark.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Did you hit record? Yeah, go ahead. So... As some of you have noticed, obviously, Dan and I launched a bit of an informal side project where we go through one of the Dungeons & Dragons publications at a time and determine the pros and cons and our overall thoughts. And the first one we did was Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frostmaiden. We went over almost
1: every page, covering moderate spoilers for the adventure without giving the ending away. We covered things that interest players or maybe useful to dungeon masters to get inspiration from.
2: I always love going through the monsters and the items and the player options.
1: I really enjoyed seeing all the different forms of the Frostmaiden and investigating everything about her frosty lair
2: to her maiden head. Dan? What the fuck, man? I need you to take these commercials way more seriously. I show up every time with the utmost professional attitude. <sighs> ah! What? You? Professional? Yes. Professional what? Dick? At least I'm not an amateur dick. I don't. What? I. What? What? What is your problem? What's an amateur dick? I don't know. Obviously, by definition, it's a dick that doesn't get paid. Does your dick normally get paid? I mean, it should. Well,
1: I'm not sure that Canada's ready to reintroduce the penny, Adam. Go fuck yourself, Dan.
2: (laughs) It should be getting paid in pounds, if you get what I mean. You can pound it on your own
1: time. We're trying to record a commercial.
2: Okay, anyway, dick, we're going to periodically continue working our way through new releases as they come. Gross. As well as discussing some of the published material from Wizards of the Coast, that has already hit the shelves. There's a lot of info out there for 5th edition, but not every DM or player knows which book to pick up next, or what to expect from an adventure module. After all, there's some great additions to the library, and then there's, well, Rick and Morty vs. D&D. This
1: series is going to be sporadic and unscheduled, so keep your eyes out for these and let us know if you agree
2: with our assessments. We hope that you'll be able to use the series as a guideline for which books deserve your attention for your own personal needs as a D&D player, but keep in mind that they're going to be full of moderate spoilers for the adventures, and they aren't meant to tear into specific mechanics or stat blocks.
1: As we go on, you'll be able to find previous Legend Lore episodes in a playlist on our YouTube channel, or check out the episode guide to see what books we've already covered by looking at the post on r slash it's a mimic on Reddit.
2: Now... Let's get back to the episode, shall we? Fuck, one of these days we're going to record a normal fucking commercial. I highly doubt it. Well, whose fault is that? Mostly yours. Disagree.
1: Now, it's no secret that Icewind Dale has featured prominently in a litany of materials throughout the nearly 50 years of the Forgotten Realms' existence. There are video games, notably Icewind Dale, and it's six spin spinoffs, um, and Neverwinter, which had a uh, which is the MMO, the D&D MMO, that had a massive Icewind Dale patch. It's one of the handful of, of video games that I've played in the last, like, 15 years. Mm-hmm. There are so many of these kind of things that have addressed the Frozen North, um, as well as many, many books, and this is when I should bring him in. Uh, Icewind Dale is home to Dritz De Worden and the entire crew he brings with him. Dritz is referenced in The Rime of the Frostmaiden, but it would be foolish to think that the Drow isn't at work in the background. You could very likely come across him in your campaign. However, it could be rare. And it should be rare. If you don't know who Dritz is, I'm just going to give you a quick little primer. Dritz was created by R.A. Salvatore, yes, the guy who killed Chewbacca, in 1988's The Crystal Shard, in which... Dritz was initially just a side character. The book's main character was Wolfgar, the scion of the elk tribe of refid barbarians. However, the drow ranger with a heart of gold soon became the main protagonist of the series as him and the aforementioned Regis, who was the halfling who ran Lonelywood. Wolfgar, Cadibri, and Bruner Battlehammer fought against evil wizards, cloaked assassins, and the horrors of Menzo Barenzan. Now, I think it's important to bring up that the Crystal Shard and Dritz in this chat, because although the latter is referenced, the former, the Crystal Shard, is very, very important to the story of the Rime of the Frostmaiden. The Crystal Shard is an item by the name of Krishinabon. Sinabon? Yeah, I, I make that connection too. Krishinabon is an evil, sentient crystal that warps the mind of whoever comes in contact with it. In the books, this is specifically a wizard by the name of Akar Kessel, and it warps him into attempting to over uh, to take over the Dale, and run it as his own little country. Part of this scheme involved growing massive pillars of crystal. That when Kessel was—is this was, why
2: you said it was a tundra on meth at the beginning?
1: N- no. Okay. No, I just but I guess it's crystal everywhere because you see when the books hit their climax and Kessel was defeated, these massive crystals were destroyed. They were torn down. However their corruption seeped into the surrounding ice, which then became a crystalline corrupted uh, substance itself. This substance is called Chardolin. And Chardolin is a incredibly versatile magical ingredient. It takes spells incredibly well, which is why you will find a lot of wizards and mages use it for wands and staffs and stuff. However, it is also incredibly durable, so you'll find a lot of the barbarian tribes are using it for weapons and using it as the blades of their axes. It, however, is still corrupted crystal, and over the years it will slowly seep into the mind of whoever wields it and will make them go mad. To the point where there are roving bands of just crystal-mad barbarians roaming the wilds, killing whoever they come in contact
0: with. So there's barbarians... All hopped up on crystal, roaming the frozen wasteland. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like Prince George. (laughs) Oof. (laughs) The city. (laughs) Not the (laughs) prince. The the baby. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Anyways, outside of Krishinabon and its history, the orc tribe of the Mini-Arrows clan also plays heavily here. That's
2: cool. We haven't heard much about
1: them, so... So, I did mention earlier that orcs are within these towns. Part of the reason is Obald Many Arrows, who is a major antagonist in the Dritz de Worden books, specifically against Bruner Battlehammer, who is the chieftain of the uh, Battlehammer tribe of dwarves, um, who call a place called Mithril Hall, which is in the spine of the world home. Um, Obald Many Arrows, I think the third, collected all of the orc tribes in the area and tried to civilize them and succeeded, okay? Now, there are roving bands of many arrows orcs roaming the entire tundra. However, some of them have made their way into these towns and are now functioning members of society while being still orcs.
2: Which is weird because they're shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with dwarves.
1: Yes, there is a very tentative peace between them. Now, outside of the many arrows clan, and you will again see these Netherese kingdoms hidden under the ice and hidden, and hidden druidic enclaves in the spine of the world... The realm of Icewind Dale can descend into the Underdark, which is where Dritz came from, and into a spiraling battle against the Drow as they attempt to gain and take over the surface world in a region that never fully comes to light. This is something I didn't mention earlier and will mention now. In Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, any natural light is dim. All the time. Okay. There is no bright light. There is no bright light. Part of the curse is that the sun never fully rises over the Dale. So, guys... Inside of Icewind Dale, is there any key features you would like to see put in that you haven't heard of yet? Anything that you think would bring a unique flavor to this Icewind Dale that you haven't seen or heard? Something that feels missed almost? Let's roll the dice and see. I got a 7.
2: I got a 7. Roll off, guys. I got an 8. I'm going first again.
1: I got six. And eighteen. You're going last, Dave.
2: Honestly, I know that they've got a real solid look at the um the natural animals and the beasts that are around. And when it comes to the environment itself, it seems fine. I would like to know more about the interpolitical issues inside the different ten towns and yeah, okay. how the towns feel about each other. Yep as well. Um, it's just going to be that extra little bit of flavor for me as a DM to be able to say, oh, I've got an orc and a dwarf in my party. I'm going to put them from the same town with this weirdly brokered piece and see if the players will end up doing a Legolas Gimli kind of thing. Okay. Or be at each other's throats the whole time. It's good to have these little bits and pieces of, of lore that are in there. I'm not a big fan of Dredst. I just i am not, but it seems like a missed opportunity to have some of his background NPCs play a role in here Mm -hmm. just i mean not only for book sales because that would help right but just because we latch on to xanathar and tasha and mordenkainen and volo shows up in a couple of different adventures and shit like there should have been more than just one or two of his people in here this this was this should have been like the
1: perfect place to bring elminster into 5e we have seen nothing of the archmage elminster in
0: 5e and that
2: guy's a fuck I don't know why I decided to have a strong opinion about him, but I do now.
0: I added him in the Mad Mage. Did you? Yeah, just as a throwback. He's a happy mage. Not quite. Um, For me inside of here, I think
1: you hit the nail on the head with missing some of these key NPCs that you could pull from Lord. There's not really a lot of them in here. What's What's his pet? Uh, Guinevere, a, uh, it is a black crystal token that he summons. Like, it, it is a, it's a black
2: panther named Guinevere. They should have had black panthers in this area. Um. Or something, right? Like, there should just be that nod in that direction. Maybe a statue of a black panther in one of the ten towns
1: yeah but outside of it i i love this draw towards Netheril. i would like to have seen it and it does in the campaign near the end of it play a far bigger part of the campaign but i want to see more of like what a UNT society looks like in the snow they don't they're cold-blooded they're done i i don't know though there are magical ways to keep things hot. There is a grove with a sunstone in it in this region that a bunch of druids harvest and, and maintain that is the only place that is free of Oriel's curse. So, like, there are ways for the Yuan-Ti to bury deep down and really flesh out that uh, side. As much as we see Dritz coming up and this place should have a lot of flavor of dritz you're not seeing a lot of drow in here it's mostly durgar right and durgar feature heavily but i'd like to see more drow
2: words i never thought i'd hear you say dan
1: this is the place for them the frozen north that never gets fully su- uh, lit by the sun uh,
2: but well we had drow run around doing their drow shit in out of the abyss Right? Uh, yeah, I, but that's
1: such a disappointing book. This one's not. Oh, you didn't movie. like Out of the Abyss? I did not like Out of the Abyss. Uh, no.
2: I, I really liked it. I, well, I'm waiting for the sequel because it's it's Rage of Demons, Out of the Abyss. And where's the other? Yeah. Okay. Where, where's where's part two? Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Dave uh,
0: being isolated. See see what I did there? Ice elated uh, and up in like the tundra, cold blizzard, very like closed sandboxed area kind Mm -hmm. of thing it seems like a prime opportunity to get some undead going on in there whether that's zombies or i mean you mentioned the dim light thing a minute ago i I was thinking 30 days of night you know vampires that kind of thing now i know vampires are a little different but like it just it seems like a prime opportunity you're right and wizards of the coast would agree i didn't mention
1: it because it is kind of out of left field but this is the book that introduced Knoll vampires and kobold zombies to the world of Dungeons and Dragons. There is a heavy undead presence in the frozen north. And it's weird. There's a place called the... I think it's the Screeching Caverns. Which is an entire area run by undead gnolls.
2: Not witherlings. Undead gnolls. We also get the frost giant skeleton out of this. Yeah. Which is badass and scary.
1: Um, and... By the way, one of the critiques I have of the adventure is the fact that there is nothing stopping a level two party from encountering a Frost Giant Skeleton, which legit happened to me in my party when we tried to run this. Nice. And we're like, it's level two. It's a Frost Giant Skeleton. We'll be able to handle it. No, you can't. No, you did. No, you cannot. Run, run. <laughs> especially in the circumstances where that thing comes up. No, you cannot run. You see an angry green hag with a will-o'-the-wisp? Just go. Just leave. So out of all of those other things, uh, we'll use the same initiative order. Adam, is there anything you would focus in on a homebrew campaign in this setting? I would do a
2: lot of ice cave level shit. Okay. I like the idea that there's stuff burrowing through the snow and having things like um, ice spiders and... Bullets. Um, Bullets. No, I'm thinking the Remaraz and okay. uh, there's a frost worm in one of the books as well. Yep. It's a purple worm, but it's it's all frosty. So like there's some really cool stuff. When I'm done Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, I've got enough other shit to do for another couple of levels to kinda get them okay. out of the north and back down into the rest of the Forgotten Realms.
1: I agree. Um what I would do is I would go from here and then go into a um drow campaign. 'Cause it, it, it would just flow so nicely into that, right? Um or go absolutely balls out kooky dukes with Dave hasn't heard you saying balls out kooky dukes yet. Oh, yeah, it's a new thing I'm saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna make it I'm gonna make it a thing. Are you? Yeah Oh, it's a thing. <laughs> but um I wanna see a really weird aberration centered campaign out of this. There is a fallen mind Flayer spaceship in the Dale with no mind flayers and carrion crawlers and shit coming out of it. There there are Nothics in this. It has been forever since I fought a Nothic in a D&D game. Adam, that was not a hint. Oh, guess what, Dan? <laughs> I've come across Nothics
0: multiple times. There's one raid right in Phandelver.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true. I, I, It's been so long since I've seen one in my games that I, I'm like yearning to see a group. Like, and Gorell and Gricks and these weird aberrations i
2: want you to know okay spoiler alert because we are about to start a campaign right at post-covid session one i've already named and prepped two nothics like they're, they're a thing that's oh my. so yay there you go dan wait wait, wait. level we're, one we're level
1: one Adam. i know you
0: are and there's two of them just feed them they're fine why why are you this way Boredom mostly, if okay. I can be honest.
1: Okay. Um, Dave, is there anywhere you would want to
0: focus on as a homebrew campaign in here? This goes against everything I've ever said on any kind of part of the podcast, but I want to explore the towns. Oh, you know what?
2: That's really cool because, hey, hey, do the thing. Oh. Do the thing. I'm on board with here. that. Invasion of the Body Snatchers up north. I think that's really cool. To... I mean, you could also do Alien vs. Predator up here. No, you can't. No one can do that. Not even filmmakers. <laughs>
0: Oof. Uh, all right. Well, you know, speaking of uh, people not getting things perfectly, there are um, really big, different, many awesome things, ways that you can go about things. Wow. You like have, that sentence. Yeah. You have been in
2: isolation, my friend, for far too long. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, one thing I saw the other day that I thought was really interesting was I was on, I forget what program or app, up. app on my phone. Um, the tribe. You look like a tribe guy. No, not, no. no. They, they got weird. Yeah. I was on there I like, know, originally I'm and like, nah, nah I'm, a, I'm a Reddit guy. But uh, I saw that there was a teacher that runs a D club after school and he's got all different sorts of the kids running different campaigns for different people and he was walking around just kind of monitoring and he saw that one of the dm kids wasn't writing down hit points or anything uh, and he questioned about it afterwards and you know he goes well how why don't you keep track of hit points and the kid came back to him and said, well, I mean, I don't need to. The The encounter's over when everybody stops having fun. And that's similar to my style. And like, I thought that was a really interesting kind of turn on things. Like, That's the reason I like playing at a table with my people and not online. I mean, online's fine, but at a table, I can sit there and I can read my players' faces and I can get a little more nuance from them and just like read the room a little bit better. I don't stick to what the rule says. You know, I interpret yeah. what the players are feeling and try to build on that. I take what they latch onto and I build on that part of the story. When I see the the people not having fun with the encounter anymore, it's over. Yeah, you killed it. Great. You know, it's just there's, there's more to it than just, you have to do 100 damage. No, there's some nuance there. You know, if you're, your cleric or your bard hasn't had anything in a while, throw them the bone. Let them get the kill at 88 hit points, you know?
2: Yeah, I guess. I just do not run it that way. But then again, I crunch math. Right, like I sit there and I do the numbers, and I'm like, okay, so I know that Dan is playing a gnome artificer, and he's giving roughly this much DPS per round, and I've got this. You know, Dave is over here doing roughly this, and Dave's initiative's higher, so he'll probably go first. And I tend to build my encounters, but I crunch the math on that yeah. so that I don't have to on the fly do it. And sometimes I get surprised. Yeah,
0: but I mean, I do that to an extent as well. If, if I know that the barbarians killed everything for the last three encounters and I know his turn is, you know, two players away and we're like this close, I'm going to give it to one of those people. Like I'm just I'm going to give someone else the satisfaction of completing it. Because at the end of the game, that's when we hand out inspiration. Oh, that's how these people are going to get it. You're talking
2: about not tracking the hit points of the monsters.
0: Not necessarily. I mean, I do I do write it down, but it's more of a guideline than a... As a DM, I've got too much going on to track the hit points of the party. I
1: trust my party to do
2: that.
0: Oh, yeah. I never track the hit points of no, the party. No, no. They, they're responsible for themselves.
2: Yeah. Right, yeah. And I, I ask them, how you're looking... And they will give me kind of a, not so good, but I don't get a number most of the time. A gulp? (laughs) Not not until someone says, guys, I have three hit points. Someone heal me. Right? Like, that's... Not until they're fighting a Marilith do I start hearing numerical answers.
1: I'm glad we're going into this next campaign with three people who could heal.
2: Yes. Yeah. You're going to need it. You're going to need it. Oh, good. I'm going to need it. Yes, you're the barbarian. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, you can reach out and get a hold of any one of the three of us or the other chuckleheads on the podcast on Instagram or Facebook or at R slash it's a mimic on Reddit where Dave says that he's a Reddit guy, so he's actually going to check it once in a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, it has. <clears throat> well you've been out of town and doing True. stuff too. True. So you can also send us an email at info at it'samimic.com and guys send us mailbag questions. We just released a mailbag episode within the last month, right? Or I don't know when this episode's coming out. Maybe maybe six weeks. But we are absolutely thrilled with the fact that we're finally whittling away Pepperina's freaking questions off the list.
1: She, like, day one, she gave us, like, 60 questions. And we we're, like, just starting to work our way through them.
2: Yeah, and and we're finally now starting to knock off... I think one of the three tables doesn't have a question from Alexander another Skip Davis, right? Because he gave us the D20 chart yeah. at the very beginning. Well, there's room. We've got space. And we're getting different various questions and stuff in for people. And like I say we answer anything whether absolutely we like anything. it or not usually so, not <laughs> so send send us questions about dave's knucklehead trout or my dugan's and we will we will definitely answer them we'll we'll make terry answer them well he knows best moving on thank you
1: now as mentioned before the dale is more than an isolated wasteland devoid of civilization and people it is absolutely full with creatures If you added up the numbers above for the population, 10 towns itself host a population of about 4,800 people. These would be primarily human, dwarf, both gold and shield varieties in the realms, elves of the moon, sun, wild, and wood varieties, and strongheart halflings, as well as your orcs and various others. Now, if these sound weird, that's because those are the names that the realms have for our hill dwarves or gold dwarves mountain or shield dwarves, high elves or moon or sun elves, wood elves, which are wild or wood elves, and stout halflings. If you're rolling one of these races, remember that's what they're called. You're not necessarily a stout halfling, you're a strong heart halfling. These towns are the home of those who have no home elsewhere and are looking for a life free of the troubles of their past mistakes. So, for the most part, ten towns doesn't judge you on your past.
2: Well, it's true of like Alaskan places too. People go up there to get off the grid and away from the government, and like yeah, th- that it is true that people go to the far reaches of civilization to get away from.
1: Yeah, and I mean it's it's a harsh living, but every single person pulls their weight. And
2: it's free.
1: Now there are some notable names that come up beyond Dritz and Regis, namely the Archmage Elminster has been known to frequent the frosty north in the Nef- in search of Netherese uh, relics. But I'd also warn of the people of the tundra. And this is something that I think you could play on as a full campaign in and of itself, which are the roving tribes of the tiger, wolf, elk, and bear clans of barbarians.
2: Not deer? Not
1: deer. It's elk instead. The interpolitics of these four tribes is campaign worthy in and of itself with the tiger hyper aggression to the bears focus around nature to the hunting habits of the elk these things are really 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 full and flavorful in and of themselves
2: it's weird that we didn't get eagle i'm just saying that because there are five different kinds of totem barbarians and I, they checked off four of them
1: yeah i don't know why that is i kind of would want to flavor it for the frozen north right so maybe an axe axebeak uh, sure. tribe or something like that. What's a good snowbird? Snowy owl? Penguin. A ptarmigan. Oh, a ptarmigan. I like mine better. I like penguin. penguin.
0: Yeah. Penguin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so, guys, let's grab our dice. Let's roll here. I want to talk about, if you're building a combat encounter, what do we got? Let's roll dice and figure it out. I got a 16. I got a nat 20.
2: I got the opposite.
1: Okay, Dave. With your nat 20, what's an interesting combat encounter
0: you'd have in, in Iceman Dale? Oh, just about any sort of arctic creature that you don't find. Yeah, like, okay, so being up in the tundra, like it's a very unique setting. Yeah, not a lot of D and D groups get here. Not a lot of people want to get here. So leaning into that, like, I mean, you're wandering around water deep. Yeah, you know what, you might run into a Yeti down in the Dungeon of the Mad Mage. I I'm not sure on that, but like there's some weird stuff down there, sure. But you're never gonna run into that when you're, you know, running down the Tribor Trail, right? So just about anything from there. Uh, I like the idea of these, you know, packs of winter wolves. I mean, I love just having wolves in general be be a problematic thing for low-level parties. Yep. So you just, you know, throw the winter spin on it, right? It doesn't need to be anything ridiculous or spectacular
1: for me i would love to harry the party with a few snow golems these are basically animated snowmen with an angry streak would you give them carrot noses i would not top hats possibly would yeah (laughs) yeah they might just put a dead beaver on their hat and assume that it's good
2: i'm not even talking to you guys anymore fuck both you
1: (laughs) but one of the reasons why i like the snow golems other than them being a cr3 so don't go overboard with them but They literally have a snowball attack, which carries with a 2d6 plus two cold damage. So here you are walking along the tundra and you just get spiffed in the head with a snowball. The fun encounter of your party trying to figure out who threw the snowball, and it's one of these guys at the end of it. Do they have some sort of like cool move through snow ability? Um, They don't. Uh, I mean, they don't sleep. They don't require any sort of food or air. They only move 10 feet around. So they're not quick by any means.
0: Yeah, the reason I asked was because I thought it would be neat if you had an avalanche hit your party and there was a bunch of snow golems in the avalanche beating them up as they're falling down a hill. Fuck it, give it to them. Make them a CFO. Yeah, 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 that that, that inspired me. Yeah, right? Adam, what do you got? Combat encounter. I want
2: there to be a combat encounter probably with one of your basic low-level, like one of the barbarian tribes that's gone mad. Like, I want a mob kind of battle where there's seven of them and five of us and we're going and we're fighting on a frozen lake so everything's difficult terrain you need to do acrobatics checks at the end of each one of your rounds to stay up oh cool yeah. right and stuff like that
1: especially if you like move around
2: yeah, yeah. Or maybe at the end of your movement you have to to. and if you don't roll and if you don't roll a move you're fine You're uh yeah if you don't move you're okay yeah right? i am then going to have a remoraz or uh, white dragons.
0: Something come out from... Yeah. yeah,
2: and and eat the enemies. And now we have a very different kind of encounter. This was, all right, we can take them to run. Just fucking run. And now it's a skill challenge to get away. Well, this actually... chase while the, yeah. the ice is breaking.
0: And, yeah, yeah,
1: this actually transis- transitions us very, very nicely into exploration encounters. Dave, do you have a good exploration encounter for the Iceman Dale?
0: I like the idea of... Exploring ice caves and having, like I said, the undead mm-hmm. and stuff in there. Uh, keep it a little bit separate so it's not. Oh, I really like the
2: idea too of their like it, it's crystalline, almost the ice, and you can see the zombies, and the zombies' eyes are moving. They're frozen, but oh, the that's eyes badass, are yeah. you. That's right? a great
0: idea. Yeah, let's
2: take one pinky that's sticking out of the ice and just like twitching in your direction.
0: Hello. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you know you have your your um, vampire uh, knoll. Down in, in the... He's the bad guy in the cave, right? like Yeah. You can have something really neat. Yeah. Using that. Um For me, I love the fact that we get such a focus
1: on awakened animals. And getting lost in the tundra is one thing. But when you get found by that one awakened... Tundra hare or white fox, like tundra fox or something, that then guides your party not necessarily to where they need to go, but to a entirely different series of encounters that would interest the hare, that that animal. Right now that they're awakened, they are more than able to scheme and be like, "Yeah, man, I, I could help you out. I I could take you to where you need to go." Oh, suddenly you're very much in a bad situation around a bunch of awakened Craig cats. Right? Which are large-sized lynxes, basically. There's so many cool things you could do with awakened animals, and they don't always have to be herpy-derp Mr. Beaver. So I would embrace that and maybe add a little bit of maliciousness to my awakened animals.
2: I'm going to use light. If everything is dim or dark in here, but you can see a campfire burning on the far mountainside, you can head in that direction. Oh, yeah. I'm going to use little bits and pieces of light torches uh, uh, five torches moving uh, down through the valley and you are at night looking down you can see them you don't know who it is i'm going to draw my players just with the existence of light in a situation like this especially if they've already taken a level of exhaustion or they're out of healing and they can't take a short rest. I'm going to draw them into the next plot hook yeah. by using light in the distance because it's going to signify civilization and warmth.
1: Not even that; it could also add mystery because remember, this is a frozen tundra. You got oh no, Aurora. it
2: signifies it, but it is not necessarily <laughs> a safe place to go. You're you're
1: completely correct, as I was saying. But the, like, you're going to have to deal with northern lights. This is something I did with Deep Dark Radiance where the color shifting light of the Aurora Borealis added so much depth and tone to the traveling out in the wilderness, right? Use it and you could add some really creepy things through there and hide some creepy things in the shifting colors of lights in the sky. Dave,
0: Social Encounters, what do you got? I like the, like I said before, I really like the idea of exploring what's going on in these towns and really getting a good feel for them. You know, they're, they are small. There are 10 of them, but each one is very, very unique. And Adam, you mentioned earlier about really driving home the point of this town is this, this town is this, this town is this. For the first time, like as a DM, even if I was a player, this actually interests me. Mm -hmm. There's so many different social encounters you can make out of that, right? Depending on what backgrounds you guys have. Uh, I've had people take the sailor background a bunch of times. There's a lot of harbor work. There's docks. There's lots of fishing. Like, you can really, really, really work into that. Yeah. Um, for me, it's, I mean, I'm I'm going to harp on
1: it again, Netherese. There is rumor that in the Sea of Moving Ice, there is uh, fully awake and active Netherese mages hiding and biding their time. If I can play with that, have a Netherese mage show up the power behind them is going to cow any party but the information they bring makes them invaluable for any sort of party trying to find any hidden secrets within the shifting ice
0: it's not necessarily a combat encounter but like an info dump oh it
1: is like and this is a guy who comes in and like um your party knows in their deepest of of core of their being they will lose a fight with this guy Mm -hmm. right because this is a member of the society that perfected 9th 10th 11th 12th level spells So, don't fuck with him. Get information from him. Maybe he wants help bringing whatever shards of Netheril back into the existence. You could have some cool encounters with this. Adam,
2: what do you got? Okay, so you mentioned at the very beginning of the episode, Bryn Shander, right? And that is the capital city of Icewind Dale, essentially. Yes, yeah. It's also, you, this is kind of a little throwaway line that you said, and I went, oh, shit, this is my whole campaign. If an army attacks, everybody in all of Ten Towns retreats to Bryn Shander and they could be housed there. No. Well, I would just have the environment get so bad that they're forced into Bryn Shander. The blizzards are so bad, it is so rough, that they're forced there and there is not enough food. And that will give me every Time for social, the lottery! That'll give me every social encounter that I need for the next... 25 sessions right every time that your guys go out and then come back shit has gotten worse they should be consistently killing animals and bringing the meat back right it's not enough to just oh we're gonna walk across a tundra hey you know what that's an elk over there let's go kill the elk and drag it back it's gonna set us behind by six hours but this is gonna help all of those people that are starving in there and because there's the lottery for some and there's the uh rivalry with the knucklehead trout between two towns you're going to run into this shit quite a bit right Uh, who doesn't help yeah who deserves the food that right there the scarcity of the resources and the being cut off from the rest of the world all i need to do is freeze the rivers and lakes and they're fucked and you're coming into this campaign with them already having been mostly frozen yeah
1: right I also like this for the fact that there are many different, like, secret little, like, devil-worshipping cultists and, and um, secret knights and all these little, like, secret societies within the Ten Towns as well that are yeah. active. Yeah. You now have everyone in Bryn Shander, which I think is one of the cities that also does, you know, a lottery and sacrificing life. Cool. How much does
2: that get ramped up? What kind of Hunger Games level bullshit can you get into? Well, no, then they're done. And they've sacrificed it, but everyone's hungry. Mm-hmm. So not to go all Dahmer party on this, but um, Donner. Donner party. Well, Dahmer party too. I,
1: <laughs> that's a different kind of Dahmer party. No, it was, no, it's the same kind of Dahmer party. Oh yeah. All right, guys, uh, we're almost done here. Let's talk plot hooks. How do you have? Uh, let's 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 go from very first session. What is that plot hook you are using to bring your party?
0: to Icewind Dale. Dave, what do you got? One, one interest I have that I haven't really ever brought up uh, on the podcast before is I like old wooden ships. The idea of the uh, discovery going down to Antarctica mm-hmm. and like beaching itself in the ice, getting frozen frozen in for years at a time. And these people surviving these extreme temperatures uh, is just fascinating to me because a lot of the time they didn't. So I think I would probably start with, you know, my guys are, are sailors. They came out of water deep. They went up the Sword Coast and eventually got into some ice and it turned out badly. Uh, You know, they ran into one of these like Druid cult or... uh, Enclaves. Enclaves. Groves. And, uh, you know, they led them to town to try to find something else and then you you start from there. Cool. That's how you get them there is you get them to be these explorers that just fell to tragedy. Uh, There was a story recently where there were two ships that tried to navigate the Northwest Passage way back when and they they got... lost and everybody died and it was tragic and blah 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 they recently found the mast hanging out of a, a, a sheet of ice in a cove and this, this very recently in the last couple of years they found this it's been sitting there for 150 years that kind of thing like i, I want this to be an arctic horror oh yeah cool right in, in fact the ship that i'm talking about was called the terror so that's kind of cool but um you know that that that's where i'm going with this Cool, right? Um, For me, this whole idea
1: of this prison colony, this prison that is up here, the um, Revel's End, which is this super mega max prison where political prisoners and horrible despots and archmages and the ultra powerful bad guys go there to jail. What better way to get your party to go up there than to go get something from one of those guys? Oh, and they go in there and they've got these tattoos on their bodies that give you the map of the prison? Not quite. I mentioned
2: earlier that the Wizards of Thay... Hold on, hold on. Uh, Session three, Dave, they go down to Chult and they're in in that one for a little while. But it's only a half session because it was pretty bad. Yeah, 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 And then it just becomes political intrigue and bullshit after that.
1: And then at the end, you know, they get fire and ice powers and get on a spaceship and travel through time. What? You guys haven't seen uh, Legends of Tomorrow or whatever it is, the DC era show. No, I have standards. That have the two brothers from Prison Break. Stop watching CW. (laughs) No. Yes. Supernatural is great. Why would I stop watching it? Because it's over. Not for me, it isn't. Well, then you're not watching it. (laughs) I'm working through it again, damn it. Anyways, um, I love the idea of in this campaign, it does mention... The fact of the Wizards of Thay, the Red Wizards of Thay. And there are a few of them in Revel's End. And the power of Thayan magic is this idea of, you know, they're one wizard, sure. But if you get, like, six in a room, you're going to start generating some big magical stuff. So they've got them all separated and isolated
0: and, and like... Give them some of those fancy crystals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: right? I, I don't know, man. Like, playing into the idea of Thay in here as well is just beautiful so i'd want to pull on that for to get my party
2: into Icemandale. Then once you're in you ain't leaving adam okay i've got four to six party members everybody pick a town you are from 10 towns everybody pick a town i don't care which and we're going to have a meeting and you guys are going to be emissaries and you guys decide you're going to meet we're going to fellowship of the ring this okay but instead of a ring, it, there's going to be a large mask in the shape of an owl bear with a couple of horns that has been discovered, and everyone needs to know what to do with this mask. Do you know what the mask is? Majora's. No. Oh, uh, owl bear with horns. That's Oriel. It would be and that's do the Frost Maiden. And that is how I launch Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. Mm-hmm. Is you start with her mask, and she's coming for it, and it has intense magical properties to it. Can I just say they have statted up in the book Snowy Owlbears? And
1: as a Owlbear fanatic like I am, it makes me so happy to see like the polar bear equivalent of Owlbears. That's kind of neat. Yeah. They're like snowy owls as well, so they're like whites with like the little black streaks and they're they're kind of cute, but also immensely deadly. They're not like the hip uh, elephants, what Holly a, fans? Holly fans? Boo. <laughs> um, one last question before we wrap this up, guys. Does Icewind Dale interest you at all? Dave. Yes. I don't know when I would get to it, though.
0: You're knee-deep in the Mad Mage right now. Yeah, but after that, I haven't played 5th edition Eberron, and that's high on my list to do. I haven't played 5th edition Theros. That's high on my list to do. I haven't played 5th edition Ravnica. That's high on my... eh, it's lesser on my list. Just do a Planeswalker campaign, man. Yes, you absolutely could, and you just, like, remove Icewind Dale from... You know, Forgotten no, Realms and just make it... No,
1: fucking leave it as Icewind Dale in the Forgotten Realms. Just go from there to
0: Theros, to Ravnica, to... That's yeah, not a bad idea. Yes, it's somewhere I want to explore. Uh, I will certainly get there before I get to Chult. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Chult is not the kind of game I want to play. This seems like a good way for my style of DMing and my style of game to kind of dip our toes into that extra couple of levels of mechanics that we don't normally deal with and see if we like it and go on from there.
1: I'm actually playing in an Icewind Dale campaign right now, and we're using Gestalt rules, which we will have to get into in a a future podcast, but it's basically, let's make 5e power gaming. Really? You? Power gaming, Dan? No. In the appropriate situation, it's perfectly fine. Anyways, I'm having a lot of fun with this campaign, but... When I mentioned the fact that there's like frost giants at level one, buddy, there's frost giants at level one and they will make your life difficult. That's one of the reasons why we're doing Gestalt. Um, so be aware of how dangerous it is just to survive in this region when you go into it. But for me, I'm loving every minute of it. I want to do more. I want to play more in here. I want to start getting into the different flavors of the different towns. In my honest opinion, Icewind Dale is one of the best books they've come out with in a while Especially when it comes to campaign books. I like it more than I like Avernus. I like it more than I like Out of the Abyss.
2: What about so. Candle Keep, Dan? You loved that.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't. Adam, does the Icewind Dale interest you at all?
2: Yeah. Icewind Dale is going to be probably the best adventure path that I've seen since Ghost of Saltmarsh, which was really seven little ones. Yeah. So it doesn't really, like, it's better tied together than the Tales of the Hunting Portal, but not not great. I don't know. I think that this could be one of the best out there. I would 100% totally play there. I've done a lot of forest, jungle, river campaigns over the last little bit. I'm done in the woods. I'm done on the water. I want something different. And I'm pretty much left with volcanoes, plains walking, desert, or Tundra. tundra. And I absolutely love the tundra. It's something I can wrap my brain around real easily. I mean, and even if you want just a flavor of it, you
1: could always throw that in like a mountain ranging campaign of sorts, right? Like and just,
2: just steal the mechanics out of it. Yeah. But I, I like Icewind Dale specifically because it doesn't feel like anything else. You could forgive someone for getting Waterdeep and Baldur's Gate mixed up. Nothing feels like Icewind Dale. Mm-hmm. So yep. I, I don't know. I quite like it.
1: That'll be it for this discussion on Icewind Dale, but there's lots of other pieces of lore in Dungeons & Dragons, so subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Next week, we're going to take a good long look at one of
0: the most popular 5th edition races, the Tiefling. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, as well as a store for some awesome merch. We also rely on word of mouth to get news of the podcast out there to the community. So please pass the word to everyone you know that we're available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production.
1: Inquiries, requests, and questions for our mailbags can be sent to info at itsamimic.com.
2: I am not going to talk to Dan. You probably have some insights on this, but I mean, Dave is our go-to guy on this. Can I just say thank you
1: yeah. for for what's bunch no, of life? No, thank, thank you.
2: you. <laughs> We've been talking about Arctic scenarios all episode here. You do sub-zero hunting and camping and shit. Do you have any insights that a DM might want to add to add an extra little bit of flavor or even challenge to a scenario or a, uh, an encounter? I'm thinking exploration particularly, but it could be anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, one of the biggest things when I'm DMing and playing is it has to make sense. So if your guys are not going up there with the proper gear, make them suffer, all right? I have been out camping, hunting, up in the middle of nothing, uh, in knee-deep snow at negative 22 degrees Celsius. With
2: nothing but a tauntaun to cut open. Yeah. (laughs) Is
0: that
1: what we're calling Guppy now? A tauntaun?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's an embarrassment to tauntauns. But... uh, I mean, like, it it gets to you fast. Like, it really does. You know, once you hit minus 15, it's really just the same afterwards. No, it isn't. It is not. And there's a difference between cold and wet. Or, sorry, dry and wet cold. Oh, big, big, big time. And, I mean, if you are out in Arctic uh, unkept trails, maybe they're moving at half speed. That's difficult terrain. Through and through. Really, really hard.
2: Is there any... Levels
0: of exhaustion, even, like... Oh, yeah. Well, it, I mean, that is, that is part of the mechanics. Is, so. is there any gear
2: that people, like the average person, may not think about that is absolutely freaking necessary?
0: Uh, I would make sure that any metal gear is... Stowed properly. Yeah. And solid? You're not, not wearing... wearing it. Solid, yeah, metal yeah. gear is solid. But, uh, you know, you, you got to put it away. You can't be wearing it because uh, I spent one camp up in Manning Park where it was like minus 30. This was years and years ago. And it was a fun camp. It was a scout camp. And the only boots I had were steel toes. Oh, fuck. My God. It yeah. was the worst. So, hold up, Would you have people take one point of cold damage when they grab
2: their metal sword or shield?
0: No, because, I mean, they're going to have gloves and stuff. Like, that's fine. But if you're wearing, like, cold plate armor, you're going to feel that. If you're wearing a, like, metal helmet or metal uh, gauntlets or something like that, like, you, that's going to make a big, big difference. Especially, like you said, in the wet cold. You know, it'll get in there, it'll freeze up and, like, make them not able to move and function, right?
2: And you gotta just peel them right off your nips.
0: Uh, preferably not.
1: Icewind Dale is a land of constant, cue surprise, ice and wind. Fuck. Jesus, it's like they thought this shit through. Almost, right? Are there there a bunch of Dales, too? I suspect there's a few dudes named Dale in there as well. Nice. Which is a joke I wrote down. (laughs)
2: <laughs> is that the one that you were so excited no about? no okay that's there's, there's an exciting joke coming. that's in the barbarians episode oh okay yeah spoiler alert <laughs> you'll hear it in three weeks <laughs>
1: thanks for listening bye